Hi, this is Steve. This week on The Cinephiles, we're doing another Patreon pick. Cinephiles patron Mackenzie Homer absolutely loves the Mike Nichols 1996 farce, The Birdcage. And the truth is, so do we. This is an absolutely hilarious film with great performances from Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, Diane Wiest, and the ridiculously funny Hank Azaria. It also happens to be a film which shows just how much the world has changed in the last 20 years. We had so much fun talking about the movie, particularly because we were joined on the podcast by one of our favorite guests, animation producer and writer Michael Vogel. And if you've never seen The Birdcage, the best way to do it is by purchasing it on our website at cinephiles.net. That's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S dot net. So that's Patreon pick The Birdcage with special guest Michael Vogel this Friday on The Cinephiles. Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film, we explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, Cinephile fans. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, uh, actor, writer, producer, host. Uh, yes, currently all those things at this time in my life. And very excited to talk about this movie today. I like that we do our intros every single week. And every single week you have to take a pause <laughs> to think about, like, what do I do? As many people watch Collider know, sometimes I can't find my words in certain moments, and so I have to look up at the sky or do the uh thing before the words come to me, and it just means I'm getting older. And and, and I do a lot of talking, Steve, you so do a lot, I, a sometimes lot. I have words. I have to have words all the time. <laughs> um, and we are welcoming back to the Cinephiles one of our favorite guests, animation executive, writer, producer, Michael Vogel. Welcome back to the Cinephiles. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this six-timer? Is this five-timer? I am like seven. This is seven-timer? Superman, Beauty and the Beast, Star Wars, Empire, Aliens, Birdcage... I thought there was one other. Is there I one feel other? like there might have been one other, but okay. regardless, I'm happy to be here and happy. Uh, hope hope it's just one in a long line of many. Well, we always <laughs> we always like having you on the show, and this is another Patreon pick. This comes from Cinephiles patron Mackenzie Horner, and we thought it would be a good idea to have Mackenzie tell us why he picked the Birdcage. Hi, John, Steve, and Michael. This is Mackenzie Horner from Barrie, Ontario, Canada. And the reason I chose The Birdcage as my cinephile pick was because I find this film an absolute treasure and a highly underrated Robin Williams performance with his subtle acting against the absolutely outrageously fantastic Nathan Lane. The two of them have such great chemistry. I hope you all enjoyed the film. Thank you and have a great day. Bye-bye. Uh, Michael, do you remember how you first came to The Birdcage? Uh, yeah, I was in the closet and went to the movie theater. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I like that usually I'm here to talk about an animated movie or a super geeky movie, but now I've been brought in to talk about the gay movie because I'm the gay guy. Wait. Listen, it's is like... Is that true? I mean, I also love this movie, yeah. but there is a reason that I love this movie. Um, but no, I actually remember I saw it in Gainesville, Florida at the Oaks Mall Plaza with a bunch of my high school friends, and we were all excited to see it. But it is an interesting thing to see... This movie, when you are in the closet in high school with all your friends and everyone is laughing and loving it and you're laughing and loving it, but also you're like, 
Don't laugh too hard. Don't laugh too hard. <laughs> don't laugh too hard. Keep it cool. Keep it cool. Okay. Ooh, did anybody notice that? Ooh, I don't know. So that was that was my first experience. It's so funny. I can't picture you in the closet. I mean, most I mean, people. Most people can't. I mean, it just you're those so doors. Those doors blew wide open. So yeah. John, do you remember when you first saw it? What year is this again? This ninety six. Yeah, I would have to say I was probably... also in the closet. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, no, um, I would say that I probably saw it in Charlottesville, Virginia. I probably saw it with my friend, my best friend, Maurice. I'm sure we went together to see this thing and laughed our butts off. Or if I think I remember it, I went to see it with my family. Yes, that's right. I went to see it with my family in Virginia before I came to, before I, like one of those breaks, I would go and hang out with my family because my, I lived in Charlottesville, but my family lived in Woodbury. So I would drive down and visit them every once in a while on a weekend. And I remember taking my dad, my mom, and I think maybe my sister to go see this together because my dad, for whatever reason, loves gay humor, loves gay humor. <laughs> He's the most. He, that's, why, that's why he always loved me. He did. He always loved you. And, and you know, sometimes my dad, when growing up, was a bit homophobic on things. He's an old school macho guy. So I had to kind of ease him into these things. But he loved it. It's like when I took him to see the producers, he couldn't have had a greater time seeing that live in New York. Uh, oh, wow. so so he, he laughed at all the like. When the director comes out and the Tony, 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 all that stuff, that's my dad's favorite part of the, of the, of the show. And I will say also, the, although this was not the first time that I saw it, subsequently, my family, my whole family thinks this is a really funny movie. My dad loves The Birdcage. And it was also a weird thing watching it on home video in my house with my dad, who is laughing and laughing at all this gay humor. And I'm like, ha, 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 when the, you saw this movie and when you actually did come out. Well, when getting into like my gay upbringing, hey. but uh, with, this movie came out in 96, which means I was a senior in high school, which means um, like most superheroes, there were a select few that <laughs> knew my secret. Um, uh, there was a couple people in high school that knew. So I had sort of, I knew that I was gay and I had come out to a couple other people in drama club, but the majority of people did not know, or at least didn't know for me. I'm sure that a lot of people right. suspected I was president of drama club. Yeah. Um, and then I was also president um, of Drama Club. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then uh, fully, my parents, uh, I came out to everybody and was fully, fully out of the closet my senior year of college. So four years four later. Four years later. But it was basically four years of slowly telling people. I think I told John. Slowly. Junior year in London. We all knew. We all knew. I never, I never had a doubt. That I mean, we can gay. tell the whole story of <laughs> you and how you found out I was gay right here. We could do that. But then we'll have to. But, but we got to talk about birdcage. We'll do that on our other. Yeah, podcast. we'll do it on another podcast. <laughs> that'll be a pa- that'll be a pa- special Patreon thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, that would be <laughs> bonus <bad>. features. <laughs> um, uh, uh, for me, I saw it. I was living in Los Angeles. I was in film school. I saw it. I think in a movie theater in Pasadena, and thought it was absolutely hilarious. And I am not sure that I had seen it since. What? I'm not what? sure. I maybe oh. I'd seen it once more, you know, 15 years ago or something, but I hadn't seen it in a really long time. Morris, this is a Roca and Vogel staple. Yeah. This is yeah. one we come back to and talk about all the time. I mean, the quotes are always flying. <laughs> and, well, it's, and, and, and it's funny too because as you say, this movie is really different today in 2018 mm-hmm. in a whole bunch of interesting ways. Yeah, we had just been talking about this a little bit before the podcast started, but uh, when this movie came out, it was, I, mean, I don't want to say revolutionary, but I mean, this was this as gay as it, as it yeah. gets. Yep. And to put a gay couple in the forefront and have a whole movie that dealt with acceptance and being gay and what that meant. Um, and it was just, it was, it, it was really, really on point. And I still love the movie today, but 
and this is a good thing, but um, LGBTQ culture has come so far and representation has come so far. And the way that we look at uh, portrayals of LGBTQ people is so different that there's certain things about this movie that we'll get to that are kind of problematic in retrospect. Well, sure. And I think with any film that like kind of broaches the subject for the first time or breaks the wall a little bit for the first time. 20 years later, when you go back to it, there are some problematic issues because of the time we were at and the way we approached certain issues and the way the script is written. But like, there are people who love Black Panther in 2018 who might go back and see these black exploitation films and be a little like, Ugh, you and, know, so that's, that and I don't say happens. that. Yeah. And yeah. I don't say that to take anything away. No, I mean, no. I, I right. love Birdcage and I will always love Birdcage. Yeah. And just as a movie and as a comedy, it is still as funny and as good today as it was back then. There's just a couple in- interesting yeah. things to more to look at as an observation for how far we've come than as a non on the movie exactly um i believe that this is our first uh robin williams movie that we've done in all of the cinephiles what yeah i think so um i maybe he appeared in like a small part somewhere but 80 plus movies in this is the first time we have robin williams we need to focus on that i, I call aladdin i'm coming back for that one i would love i love <laughs> aladdin i absolutely love aladdin we gotta hit goodwill hunting too Jeez. um so okay, not great your fault. Well, this is uh, so, and and I want to talk a little bit about Robin Williams because Robin Williams is really special to me. Absolutely, he is just a special person. Um, and so I want to give a little bit of history. He comes from a wealthy family. His father was a Ford executive, and when he was when he was 16 years old, he moved from Detroit to Tiburon, California, where I grew up. So he grew up in my hometown. He went to my high school. He's the most famous person ever to come out of my high school. Wow. When he was there, he graduated in 1969. When I showed up at that high school in 1981, my drama teacher was his drama teacher. Huh. Wow. And, and none of that is why I have a deep connection to Robin Williams. The reason I have a deep connection to Robin Williams is Mork and Mindy and that show yeah. was my, when I was a kid, that was it. That was my favorite show in the world. I listened to Woe Reality, What a Concept, over and over and over again, despite the fact I had no idea what half of it was about. <laughs> I thought he was the funniest person in the world. And I think that if you list, if someone were to make a list of the funniest people in the world, Robin Williams has got to be one of the top of all time. Mm-hmm. He, there, there is a kind of humor of his that is unlike anybody else. And he, when he jumped on the, on the scene, like started performing first at the Holy City Zoo in San Francisco, which, by the way, he would go there. He liked to perform without a mic. Whoa. He would put the mic down and just walk around in the audience and improvise with everyone. Comes down and makes, you know, changes comedy forever. That's in the 70s in San Francisco. And then comes down when he shows up at the comedy store. David Letterman says, I, I guess my career's over. I mean, that's the reaction. Like he swept in there and just. There's, I mean, this is one of the great comedy places of all time, and mm-hmm. all the best com- comedians of the world are playing there, and Robin Williams comes in and just wipes him out. Mm-hmm. And so this guy that, first of all, is this unbelievably funny guy, has the biggest sitcom at the time in the world. 60 million people were watching that show. Like, nobody, no, 60 million people don't watch anything right mm-hmm. now. Like, that's an unbelievable number. If the population of the United States was 200 and something million at the time, a quarter of the people in the country were watching that show. <laughs> and then to go from that into his movie career, and what's so fascinating, I kind of reading through, like, his movie career, it's so all over the place, you know? Oh, yeah. Just like him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because he, you know, he's like, you look at... Good Morning Vietnam, Moscow on the Hudson, Fisher King, Aladdin, Dead Poet Society. What a big movie for me that was. Mm-hmm. And of course, Goodwill Hunting. I mean, like he, the, his performances are so good and so subtle. And a lot of his best ones are not in the comedic roles. Yeah. I mean, he's j- just an amazing, amazing person. And his death is one of those 
death for me that just yeah that one that one hurt it hurt a lot that one was rough yeah because he was such a funny light and what we thought a positive light could it be too much sometimes on these comic relief shows like doing all things all over the place you could see people could not keep up with him but it was from a genuinely warm place from a big heart place and so his desire to make people laugh just consumed him it was everything to him and you can see him on conversations and on the shows when he would come on as a talk show host he was always doing his voices and doing these manic energy and it was so great and it made you love him so much because he wanted to give so much to you who were watching or 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 enjoying him live or on tv he wanted to give you everything he could and on the screen obviously as well and so when he left it was too painful, and the way he left was even more painful. Yeah. I think his death and Phil Hartman's death are the two pinnacle deaths in comedy over the last 20 to 30 years that have destroyed people or really affected people yeah. because they were such, just such genuinely funny people and genuinely warm people that when they left, it left a huge hole. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, so sad. And, and, you know, he's also one of those people where... It is not surprising. These people that are some of the funniest people in the world are dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but he's, um, he's amazing. And he's amazing in this movie where he's, what's interesting in this movie to me is that he's mostly playing the straight man. Yeah. You know, here's. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Um, let's talk a little bit. Oh, man. Strap in, people. Strap <laughs> in. This is just the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about pre-production. Um, so this is this is our third Mike Nichols film. Yeah. Um, and this one he writes with his old comedy partner, Elaine May, you know, which is really cool. And it is based on the French play, which became a French musical and a French film, La Cage aux Folles, mm-hmm. which... I saw when I was like 11 years old. I saw the play long before I saw, long before the Birdcage came out. Um, um, One thing I found out about casting, and this is really all the pre-production I have on this movie, is originally Robin Williams was going to play Albert and Steve Martin was going to play Armand. Ooh. Damn. I mean, I think it totally would have worked. It's so funny. It it would have worked. Uh, and as you know, we've anyone who's seen Mrs. Doubtfire knows that Robin Williams, not an attractive woman, but a funny <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, it's so funny. I it's Steve I Martin, can't a great straight man. Picture anything other than Nathan Lane in this role yeah, at this point. Like it's just so iconically perfect. And because he is actually gay, I think it would have been it wouldn't have been as revolutionary as it could have been if you don't have a gay person in that role. And maybe in both roles, obviously, yeah. but like certainly in Nathan Lane's role, yeah. Well, particularly looking at it now, I would think because you know, and and this just to your earlier point is that up to this moment, when there were gay characters on TV and film, they were just a caricature for a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, that for the vast majority, you know, like if you watched a gay character show up on Barney Miller or, you know, mm-hmm. it was like these are going to be. And that Nathan Lane, I think, you know, he gives this character so much depth and life while he's also being sort of an extreme mm-hmm. yeah. version of this. Um, and even Robin Williams. um Playing the straight man and being a straight man playing the straight man um, does the bring a gay man paying a straight gay man pretending uh, straight. Oh God, this is just really this got really <laughs> confusing. But uh, you know, even even he, because of everything we were just saying about him, as funny as he was, he also had this light and this warmth, yeah. and he really does bring it to the role. Like you actually do get a sense that these two do care for each yes. other, and it's not just played for laughs although the laughs are there there also is a heart to this movie which is, i think the thing that even today makes it as strong as it is i agree i agree mm-hmm. 
Should we start the movie? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's fly in over the waters towards South Beach in Miami. <laughs> the sound of We Are Family. kind of an amazing opening shot it's a great opening shot because we come right in we fly right into the club and we're right into this drag show with the song we are family um which is foreshadowing for what this whole movie is going to be about so that's brilliant the message is pretty darn clear Mm -hmm. um it's funny by the way i had seen i you know because i grew up in san francisco so like gay culture was sort of normal to me at a Mm -hmm. time when it really wasn't for the rest of the country yeah i mean again growing up in gainesville florida um you didn't you, see a lot of drag shows. You didn't shows. see a lot of drag shows. There was one gay bar in uh, on University Avenue called the University Club because right. where the where the college was that I had at that point not been to. But so again, seeing this movie as a high school kid, I mean, I was soaking up the gay culture. I mean, yeah, you're soaking right. up the drag show and all this stuff, and kind of like now I live in West Hollywood. This is like every Saturday and Sunday for me. But at the time, it was like the idea of going to a club where there were gay people and performers on stage. Like this was all like. This was my first exposure to yeah. so much of that. Yeah, and we move in, and there we have Robin Williams looking fabulous with his mustache, um, oh, and we gay mustache, <laughs> giving me some gay mustache realness, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we see that he's running this club. Apparently, the Kennedys are there, and it is funny. Like this, there's a good twenty year period where this kind of Kennedy joke was just normal. Absolutely. That joke is not the normal thing <laughs> today, um, but I think this is right around when one of the Kennedys was accused of rape and you know all these things that oh, just William, happened yeah. in Florida. Yep. yep. Um, and we f- and we see the the uh, the drag show going on on stage, uh, and then backstage we see them take off clothes and we see these are men. And I think probably for a lot of this country that was shocking in 1996. <laughs> like I don't think a lot of people knew that those were men dancing on the stage yeah. mm-hmm. until that moment. That um, and we also find out that Starina, the star of the show is not coming down. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, talk about an on the nose name. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear. Uh, uh, and then we meet Hank Azaria. Zero. Estarina won't go on. She's still in her role. Damn. And I please, I don't know what happened this time. Go upstairs, try and get her ready. I'll be right behind you now. I mean, and let's talk about this for a minute because <laughs> look, Robin Williams amazing. Nathan Lane, iconic in this role. Yes. Some great performances that we'll get to later. I think the fact that you have such amazing performances in this movie and then Hank Azaria pretty much runs away with the movie. He steals Agador Spartacus is the funniest thing in this movie. (laughs) Agreed. And I don't even know what he's doing. Like, I don't know. It's this completely ridiculous over the tops. I mean, he is so damn funny. Is this, right. Yeah, there's the ang, 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 and like he's like doing his little dance in his heels. Well, it's funny because I know at this point, I think I maybe I'd seen Hank Azaria in a few things, but really he was a voice on The Simpsons. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what I knew him from. So seeing him do this thing is just crazy. I think quiz shows around this time too, 96. So yeah. you see these Probably two right different around, versions yeah. of Hank where he's like this kind of asshole executive there in quiz show. And then this And you see this where he's like, when you going to let me do the show? <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. But it's, it's because some people just have this incredible gift with accents and with with uh, pers- uh, uh, embodying that in a, in a personal way as an actor. And Hank is incredible in this, you know, because yeah. uh, I don't think he's Latino. I think he's Italian, if I'm correct. And, I don't know. I don't and know. he does this kind of thing. And it's so believable. And his movements, and his thing and he's a frustrated artist he just wants to perform and all, the, the whole reason and also just there. from a writing and storytelling standpoint yeah. i mean the thing that's great about this whole opening is you get within within like 
the first five minutes. Yep. Okay. Robin Williams, he's running the show. Starina doesn't want to perform. What is this drama? Uh, Agador Spartacus, when are you going to let me perform? I want to be on. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it just from a storytelling standpoint, just right away, yep. it's just establishing who everyone is yes. and where they are, which is great because for a comedy like this, where there's so much going on, what you do is you spend the first part just like lining everything up mm-hmm. so that the back half of the movie, you're just knocking down pins mm-hmm. right. over and over and right. over to great success. Yeah. Well, and this is having the, the blueprint of a great French farce at the as the backbone of the thing and then having a great writer like elaine may who's great at jokes coming in and then you just put some of the funniest people in the world on top of it you're gonna you're gonna do pretty well well it's funny too like we talked about mike nichols we did who's afraid of virginia wolf we did the graduate he does a whole bunch of movies i was wondering is this his most again i was gonna say straight comedy (laughs) like is this his most just straight up comedic film that he's done because I'm going through like regarding Henry and Wolf mm. and the you know the Angels in America and I mean there's he's done a ton of real, catch real, real laugh riot that one yeah that's hilarious <laughs> um, it's a good you know, question is that I don't think and yet his whole background with Elaine May is mm-hmm. doing comedy yeah. the guy is a brilliant comedic person and so having him helming it really helps yeah and I mean and I mean I would say it's definitely I mean probably his most comedic because it's the one that's the most out and out comedic. Um, see how I said out and out instead of straight. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it's, um, it's out. <laughs> but uh, also, this is just one of the funniest movies. Period. Yeah. I mean, like it really is one of the. If I was going to make my list of top ten funniest movies of all time, this absolutely makes the list. I'll be damned. Yeah. What planet are you from? And um, Biloxi Blues are the only two Biloxi real Blues, comedies yeah. that he has directed. Yeah. Wow. And this is this but, is serious farce. I mean, yeah. this is. These oh. are great. Those three, those three films, this with Birdcage, they're all three funny comedies, but this is incredible. Yeah. Birdcage is incredible. Um, so uh, uh, Starina will not open up the door. <laughs> Robin Williams breaks it down. And now we get into this first fight and we meet Nathan Lane. There's a packed house out there. Ah. That's all I am to you, isn't it? A meal ticket. Never mind about my feelings. Never mind about my suffering. It's just about your show. Not even our show, your show. Uh, I don't know that I had seen him really before this. I know I hadn't. We had heard him in the uh, Lion King. Yeah, I was gonna say like my oh, my my first exposure right. to Nathan and Lane was Timon. Right. Uh, and so when I saw this movie, I was like, oh, that's the Hakuna Matata guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now he is not saying no worries. No, <laughs> he is he's worried. All worries. He's all worries. But thank God he has those Purin tablets. <laughs> I love the Purin tablets. I had what? no memory of that joke at all. Oh my God, it is the best. I that is one of the big quotes all the time. Like I oftentimes will ask people for a Purin tablet, <laughs> um, and you're like, "What is the Purin tablet?" Isa asked, but then with the end, the S scribed off. So damn fun. And we start to find out like one of the tensions in this relationship is that uh, Albert wants a uh, a palimony agreement, which that is as close as you can get to marriage in 1996. Which is one of those interesting things. I mean, yeah. it's that's one of those things that. Uh, for this next generation of uh, of LGBTQ kids growing up, the idea that there's this couple that this is as close as you can get. They can't get married. Right. And at the time, um, even the thought of gay marriage being an actual thing was like, sure, kid, one day yeah. in fantasy land. Like it was just it wasn't a that's the thing I was I was I was recently um, on an Atlantis gay cruise and I was talking to some younger people in a hot tub, as you do on a cruise. Of course. Um, and and we were actually having this discussion that like some of these kids who are in their 20s are like, 
would they grew up in the era where like gay marriage was always a, an on the table right. thing. And I remember being like, I mean, I guess I'll meet someone one day and we'll just live together and pretend. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, so this, this, that's an interesting aspect of this movie. And we see very quickly what their relationship is. And I love, you know, uh, you know, Armand is just trying to get him on the stage right. and being a little sarcastic and bossy. And well, I don't have a palimony agreement on me right now. Is tomorrow all right? Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Oh, <laughs> oh you bastard. <laughs> well, and, th- and it's interesting, too, is like the language and the way we talk about who Starina Albert is is com- might be completely different today because he might just say he's a woman. Maybe, uh, but also, I mean, drag is different than trans, and uh, so I think it's still... But, I mean, we gay guys do refer to each other as she, but this brings up an interesting thing about the movie that that made it work for when it is, and it made it work for straight culture, which is this idea that gay relationships tend to fall into... Male-female. The, the typical male-female. Mm-hmm. And Robin Williams, it, although he is gay and he's a little bit floatier in the way he moves around this movie, is definitely the guy in this relationship. Yeah. And Starina is definitely the girl. Um, and I think that that is one of those things that's... it's When you really get into what gay relationships are like... By and large, that's not entirely accurate. Right now, a gay relationship where you're the star of the drag show and you're the manager, you know, it 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 it, 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 it kind of makes sense for this role. But that's one of those things that, as I was like kind of relooking at it, I was like, oh yeah, they really did the straight guy and the yeah, they they played that up. Well, it's so funny. I think that opening shot of the movie that we come into the club and enter the world of We Are Family is so much thematically what this movie is, which is taking a whole bunch of America and bringing them very gently uh, into this family and saying this is this is a way that you can understand how this works. Yeah. You know, because this is 1996. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know? And again, like I said, it's not it, it really isn't a knock on the movie. It's more of an observation that uh, were this movie made today, the Robin Williams role would probably be much gayer and effeminate, even though he's clearly the one who's pushing his dramatic wife to be or husband wife. Yeah. Yes. Palimony first. It's really confusing. Yeah, to me. it's very. <laughs> I think it is too. <laughs> but the the French plays like this though as well, right? Yeah, this is they, what the French plays yeah, about. Yeah, so it's it's not like they came up with these characters. Oh yeah, stock again, characters. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and it works for the comedy. It does, I, and it does. Yeah. yeah, because you because Nathan is like she he's his portrayal of of uh what's her actual name? Not Starina, but Albert. Albert. Her portrayal of Albert is his portrayal of Albert is just it's so endearing because. Yeah. This is something Michael and I talk about all the time. Like, there are people who just need a little more attention. That's all. They're yeah, a little I mean, sensitive. In, 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 in me and John's friendship over the years, it is clear that... He's Starina. He is Starina. Yes, fine. Whatever. We just... There's some of us that just need a little more attention. That's all. A little more stroking in certain moments. I have often given John Purin tablets. <laughs> oh. It's tough in this business when you're a performer. <laughs> Well, and one of the things that's causing this upset is apparently a bottle of white wine, which Armand doesn't oh, drink yes, white wine. Yes. There's some tension about whether or not has he seen another person, you know, and we, and we don't know. And finally, though, we do convince uh, Starina to go on stage and there's, you know, and then he's shaving with the electric razor. Uh, and, <laughs> and then we introduce Starina. Nathan Lane goes up and performs. And I think, by the way, this is a Stephen Sondheim song. 
Mm. Um, that's like from I forget which one it is, but there are a bunch of Sondheim yeah. songs in here that are from musicals that ended up getting cut oh. that they're being used here. And you can see when Robin Williams is watching Nathan Lane on stage or when Armand is watching Starina, boy, he loves her. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, like I said, that's what Robin Williams brings to this role that another comedic actor w- w- might not have mm-hmm. is that just that warmth and that love that Robin Williams has comes across. And you also see that for all the drama, Starina is worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you see Nathan Lane on stage doing what he does, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, there's a reason that she's the star of the show. Uh, as you can see, I've just gotten back from Safari. And look what I picked up, a new muff. <laughs> yeah. And look, it comes with accessories. Oh, don't look at me like that. I didn't kill him. He died and left me everything. But Armand does not stay to watch the show. Nope. Sneaks off. Goes into this room where Hank Azaria is dancing um, to, to Conga, little Gloria Stefan, which yeah. seems like the right choice. Um, which is great. And, and we start, he pulls out that bottle of white wine, and we go, oh no, maybe he is seeing someone on the side. Because we don't know where this thing's going. Yep. And then, we, and then they do play, and they play it up so great. They really yep. do. Um, yeah, he lights some candles. In walks this young, good looking guy. They have a very affectionate hug. This is Dan Futterman, by the way. Um, and. He says, I have something to tell you, and I don't and, and I don't want you to get how you get. This is no way to ever start a conversation. I, mean, <laughs> I don't want you to get how you get. It's like, well. I mean, again, I've had this conversation with John many <laughs> times in life. Wait, but I thought you, now you're Val? I mean, it varies. <laughs> All I know is I've definitely said to Roca, I'm going to tell you something. Don't get how you get. <laughs> <laughs> and... And then we find out that he's getting married, and in fact, this is Armand's son, mm-hmm. that this is Valley's getting married. And, and it's a, a really great scene. Yeah. yeah. And, and really the first scene in which we see, you know, Val's a jerk. <laughs> he, he, he I is... mean, this is the big thing about this movie that yeah. when it came out, and again, in 96, the thought that somebody would be like, I'm embarrassed of you guys. Yeah. Right. Which it, is the whole plot of this Which movie. is the entire plot of the movie. Right. Given where where straight culture and gay culture was at that time, that made sense, and you I, you didn't really give it another thought. Watching that today, I am like, it's horrible. You're the worst person ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you are literally the worst. Well, and even then, and this is something that will come up throughout the movie, is that it this even in 1996, this is a terrible plan. This can't even even if even if you are embarrassed by them and that, but this can't possibly work. There is no way. No, your plan is awful. Um, well, in defense of Val, a little bit is you know he's a young kid. To him, sure, he sees this possibility to be married to this woman. It's like if it's just one night, you can meet him, and then if you could just like kind of like you know kind of put on airs a little bit, and then we'll get through it, and then I'll marry her, and then we can deal with it down the road, which is. A uh, horrible plan. Well, sure, but it is uh, what is happening in the what was happening in the culture at the time, hundred percent. Right? And that's the thing that he's mirroring is what was happening in the culture and people experience. Like I sometimes was growing up as a young kid was ashamed to be Latino. When you're in a mostly white right. area, it's very hard to bring your white friends over and they see like paintings on the wall or things that are very Latino. They don't understand it. They'll make comments. So those are the things I had to experience with sometimes. So I I get why Val is doing now. Val's in his twenties, so maybe. He should know better, but he, it, you know, when you're in love, sometimes you just do those things that you ask favors of your friends or your family that maybe you wouldn't normally ask. But I agree with you, it is a dumb plan. 
Well, what what I want to say too is like sometimes the job of the filmmaker, um, and this is something I've come across doing documentaries, which mm. is a strange analogy, is that your job is not to say what is true or what is right. If you want to move the audience's perception of a thing, right. you kind of have to start where they are. Yeah, and yeah. where they are is they don't understand this relationship, and they would be embarrassed. So Val is sort of the audience, and then the audience to bring them in and make them understand what's happening, and then we're going to change them over time as we see how ridiculous this whole thing's going to get. Yeah, exactly. John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yeah, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Um, uh, and we hear that this girl's name is Barbara, and then let's go meet her and her family. Are you crazy? It's out of the question. You can't get married, not even 18. Who is this boy, Barbie? When was the last time you saw him? Please don't call me Barbie. This afternoon at 2 o'clock. We've been sleeping together for a year. Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh, Kevin! Yes, and so have I. Oh! And this this is where just the political satire of this movie is so on point. And yeah. this part of the movie is still as relevant today Absolutely. as it's ever been. And holy shit. And we see uh, Barbara, a very young Callista Flockhart. Very young. Um, and her parents are the unbelievable Gene Hackman and the amazing Diane Weist. Mm -hmm. They are both so great. It, I mean, you know... Like we were saying, Hank Azaria kind of runs away with this movie, but I think Gene Hackman has some very unsung moments as like the funniest moments in this movie that we'll get to later. And, yeah. and the setup of this again, I mean, like I said before, like just from a writing standpoint, just setting up all of these pins to knock down. It's like, okay, let's meet these people. And they're not just kind of conservative. I mean, they just go for it. This up. is the most conservative. Like, I mean, this is, this is as far as you can go. Well, it's funny. This is our fourth Gene Hackman film. Our second with Michael Vogel, yeah, um, and so we've done, uh, th and three out of the four are comedic, yeah, because we did French Connection, which is obviously the movie that made him a star, a big serious role, but we did Lex Luthor in Superman, yes, and we did his role in Young Frankenstein, mm -hmm. as and these, and this is what's so funny, he doesn't get to do it very much, they don't let him, but Gene Hackman is really funny, oh yeah, yeah. and his role here, he's playing the conservative senator, um, and they are very worried about this relationship, mm -hmm. and. 
they, they and, and but Barbara's reassuring him, oh, he's like a cultural attache and he's in the arts and that's who the father is. And they're worried about the Ma- Maplethorpe exhibit, which would be a big conservative uh, yep. thing in the mid 90s. Um, and what's interesting about this relationship is it is it's a juxtaposition to the relationship with Albert and uh, Armand. Absolutely. So you have uh, the wife is the one that's kind of having to take care the steady of, one. of the steady one. He has the steady one having to take care of the husband who's constantly dealing with his own insecurities or his own status or his own need to be his political future. She is stabilizing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like Gene Hackman's obsession over his career. Yeah. And Starina's obsession <laughs> on self-absorption over her stuff. Right. I mean, these two clearly are. Exactly. Absolutely. Which two peas why, in a pod. Which is why when they connect later in the movie, it makes absolute sense. Because yep. they understand each other intrinsically. Well, and they're both playing roles. I mean, they're mm-hmm. both people pretending to be things that they are not. Yeah. You know, Gene Hackman pretending to be the strong, traditional, uh, you know, Ma- masculine yeah. male conservative guy and he is deeply neurotic you know i love his obsession with candy by the way <laughs> yeah it's a brilliant that's touch one of the great it's little a brilliant touch he's clearly an emotional eater yes um, <laughs> um and and of course barbara's spinning all these lies about greece and all this stuff and this is by the way one of the key for those liars out there who are young people yes. aspiring to be better liars you have to keep your story straight yeah and keep it simple don't introduce new details that someone Less else is, more. is going to have to Less pick up. Less is more. Very important. <laughs> the more you know. And and then Robin Williams gets on the phone, uh, and Gene Hackman is listening in on the call. Um, and 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 it's so funny. I love that they they find out they don't they've never even heard of South Beach. Yeah. Where's South Beach? Oh, it's like Palm Beach, <laughs> where, where Jeb Bush lives. And it's so funny hearing the mentions of Jeb Bush. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and just and they fi- they finish up this call. We go back to uh, Armand and Val, and in walks Nathan Lane. That's a Judy Garland outfit, right? Yes. Um, which is yes, it, yes. It oh, is. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forget great. what the number is, but there's a famous dance number that she's in that outfit. Mm-hmm. A duet with someone else, right? Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember what it is. Um, and and of course he accuses him, accuses Armand of cheating. Oh, and then we be fought. a clown. It's with Gene Kelly. She does this from I forget. I think it's from Summerstock. Summerstock. She yeah. does be a clown with Gene. Okay, all right, you're fine. So, you're so sweet. <laughs> you're so you're so smart with you're so smart with the classics, John. I hate you. <laughs> yes, I remember um, this number. Uh, and then we find out uh, uh, Albert finds out that Val's here. Yes, yes. And and the love that he has for, which is really his son, mm-hmm. you know, is amazing and loving and touching. Um, it's the next day. Uh, Albert's out shopping in the market. <gasps> oh, beautiful flower. Good morning. I love the scene I mean, of him shopping. This in the whole market. scene of him shopping is just like I had so many friends who had moms like this, and this was like oh, the yeah. best thing about it is anybody watching him shopping and talking to everybody as he does his thing with his like giant glasses and everything. Like it's like. This is everyone's favorite mom. Mm-hmm. Like when you were growing up, there was right. that one mom who was like the favorite mom. And so again, to your point of what this movie did is everybody was like, oh, this guy is drag and he does these performances and he seems a little crazy. I don't know. And then you see this and you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know this mom. Yeah. 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 Um, we're back with uh, Hank Azarian Robin. And this is where we first hear that he wants to be in the show. And I love the, are you afraid of my Guatemalaness, my natural what, heat? Guatemalaness. Come on, are you afraid of my Guatemalaness? What? My Guatemalaness, my natural heat. You're afraid I'm too primitive, right? To be on the stage with your little estrogen rockets, right? Oh, yes, you're right. I'm afraid of your heat. <laughs> 
Um, and and Albert does not yet know that Val is getting married, and this is where he finds out. Yes. Comes back in, finds out that Val's getting married, um, and we haven't quite gotten to the problems yet. Um, I think what we do need to see is a, uh, a little message from the Coalition for Moral Order. <laughs> Now, when I and Senator Keeley here founded the Coalition for Moral Order, this it was to express moral rather than political views. I think what Senator Jackson is trying to say is that morality is political. Abortion and same-sex marriage. And sure, this seems funny, except this is pretty much exactly something you would see on TV in 1996 and, yep. and something and, uh, that we would see today yeah. and yeah. do, in fact, see today. Absolutely. And they do bring up same-sex marriage as just a ridiculous, impossible, terrible thing. And we meet uh, Senator Jackson. Um, oh, God, Senator Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> this um, is great because for those of you who don't remember, Crossfire was a TV show on CNN and you would see this kind of thing. Uh, conservatives and Democrats, uh, conservatives and liberals would actually appear on the same program and debate. What? Debate things, and uh, you know, um, I forget who the two hosts. Were. I know Carvel was on for a little while, but they would they would debate these. So this was very familiar to a certain t- a generation. And you did. I mean, he's essentially who's that guy that wrote that book about uh, morals? William Bennett. He's essentially mm. William Bennett. Is this who Jackson is being? He's essentially right. standing in for William Bennett. And then you have uh, Hackman's uh, Hackman's character there as well. Yeah. It was very believable in that. Like it's fantastic what he what that whole yep. sh- is very believable. And- Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, and this is this is one of those things that is, you know, that, that this movie really underscores. I mean, this is the theme of the entire movie. That is something that we are still dealing with yeah. today yeah. with religious freedom laws and everything else, which is the people that are shouting the loudest for family values don't always represent that. And the mm-hmm. things that seem as far away from family values as a lot of people think they can get are the ones that actually are the closest and uh, the most familial yeah because this is a loving family i mean we entered with we are family that is the theme of the film and we come out of this tv into the world of gene hackman and diane weist and hackman i love that he's kind of going oh maybe i shouldn't have gone with this jackson guy maybe i should have hitched my wagon to bob dole because this is in fact (laughs) 1996 bob dole is running for president that's right this year yeah this is right in the middle of the election year Mm -hmm. um but once again he's watching himself on tv he's how did I come across? Like, he's yeah. just like obsessed, it's, it's obsessed, obsessed with his performance. And she has to calm him down. She has to tell him how great he was. And that's when we find out that Jackson has not only has he died, but he's died in a prostitute's bed with a black minor. Uh, and uh, and just the delivery of all this oh. is just it's one thing on top of another thing on top of another thing. And it's just perfect. Which goes right into Bridget. I could really use some candy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and then, you know, we have Albert looking at the baby book, like reminiscing, and we're back to now this prostitute is on TV and Gene Hackman is watching like, well, they haven't mentioned me much, but he knows that this is, this could be the end of his political career. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then all of the, uh, and, and then is it, is it, and this is when it's like you, you look outside and all the news trucks are coming up and yep. everybody's there. Everyone I mean, they're trapped. Up. And they've started to go like, Diane Weiss comes up with the idea. You know what's going to save us? This marriage. What do you mean? What wedding? Who's getting married? No, no. Why not? It would restore your image. A wedding is hope, and a white wedding is family and morality and tradition, and it would be such a special marriage. I mean, the son of a, a cultural attaché, a... A sort of a diplomat, really, who doesn't look down on us because of Senator Jackson, who's willing to join our family. There's the cover of People and Time and Newsweek right there. And I love how they're building up this 
this other family that they haven't met. Like they're artists and they're a good it's a family. Cultural it's a cultural attache. <laughs> and we're going to go down to this wonderful place called South Beach and it's all going to be okay. So they're both lying to their parents. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right? But only one is asking them to change their kind of who they are. Right? right? All Calista Flockhart tries to do is to get them to be like open to it whereas well both of them are embarrassed by uh yes by armand and albert right but she's not saying be liberal when you go but down to there. your point and to your point like yeah. this movie representative of where the country yes. was yeah right the country recognized understood that there was maybe some hypocrisy on the conservative side right but the country was more embarrassed of the gay relationship than they were you know like trying to be like everyone is like we need to we need to tone this down. Right. It would be very funny. To, I don't think you could really do it, but to do the opposite movie. I am so embarrassed by my conservative parents yes. that I'm going to make them pretend to be uh, liberals to please my liberal boyfriend. Yeah. But I like that because the inherent nature of conservatism is that it's uh, stubborn and will not change and stay. So to turn it around a little bit would be funny to explore. Absolutely. And we knew this growing into the 80s and 90s. Like the children of these conservative leaders were not like Ron Reagan right. and Patty Davis were not believers right. in the conservative stuff that their mom and their dad, Ronald Reagan and, uh, and Nancy Reagan were into. And so we saw this coming as a prevalent thing throughout. And we see even now with Megan McCain being uh, right. with the stuff with, and look, uh, with you the could make a movie John I, I, you could very easily make a movie about uh two gay dads whose child wants to marry a trump supporter yes you could and that oh, would be some shit yeah mm-hmm. it definitely I, I definitely would i mean okay, mark me i'm doing it don't do it anybody <laughs> listening i call it i call it mine dibsies um i really wonder by the way there's a whole setup to this of Barbara and Val coming up with this plan Mm -hmm. because they had to like, and I wonder whose idea was this was one of them pushing the other one. Like, well, how did we get to the place where, okay, I'm going to go back to my family and I'm going to tell them and you're going to go tell your parents and you're going to tell them to do this. And it's it's, again, terrible plan. It's the folly of youth, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're in a rehearsal. (laughs) Oh, this rehearsal. Oh God. This 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 is, I mean, this is, I think this was in the trailer, but I mean, this is just the Robin Williams. It was definitely in the trailer. I saw Uh, this over and over and over again. Madonna, Madonna, (laughs) Madonna, Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Like, it is so good. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Or Twyla, Twyla, Twyla. Or Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd. Or Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. Did he improvise this? I'm sure he did. I think he must. You know what? It's kind of that thing with Robin Williams where he's great when he's delivering lines and he's always very funny. But then there's always those moments where anyone who's ever seen his stand up or anything, you can just sense that he's gone off on a Robin Williams riff. Yeah. And this is that. Yeah. And then then the the whole thing with the guy chewing the gum. Chewing the gum. The chewing the gum. Helps me think. (laughs) Chew. You need more gum. You need more gum. gum. So let's have a conversation about this because this scene is what I really I know people may watch this movie. They oh caricatures, caricatures, caricatures. No, but I think this film does walk you into the subculture of gay culture. It walks you into it. You you know guy I'm you know guys like that who have to play the love. What? <laughs> 
who have to play the love interest and they're bored and they're doing those things that they're doing and they're, and here's Starry and here is Nathan and she, Albert is like really, she's she's performing, she's doing what she's doing and you know, you see these different stages and that's what I like about the movie is it, it, no one is, one, no one's one dimensional and no, I enjoy I, that. It, it is, every, no one is one dimensional and it's very gay friendly. I yeah. do think Nathan Lane playing the role of Starina helps a lot because I think, and we deal with this today, it's a big issue that has come up with Call Me By Your Name. It's the mm. thing of, you are right, the people in this movie, there are gay people in the world, I'm friends with many of yeah. them, that are this extreme, this flamboyant, sure. this fill in the gap. When a gay person is playing that role, it's fine. Yes. When a straight person is doing their imitation of a gay person that extreme, it can sometimes... Do you feel that way about Modern Family with Stone Street, the way he does it? At times. Okay. At times. Okay. Um, and so I think that's 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 that. one of those things. And again, it's a time and place. But I do agree that the the pros of this movie far outweigh any kind of cons mm-hmm. in that respect, mm-hmm. because I do think that it does walk you into gay culture really well. And I do think a lot of the references and a lot of the subtle nods and a lot of the things that go mm-hmm. on, like it really as someone who this was their first experience with a lot of that, it really yeah. does walk you into a lot of that uh, really well. And ver- not only not only well, but also with care yeah and I th- that, that's what i was gonna say i yeah. think one of the keys and it's not the only key but one of the keys is love mm-hmm. you know it's like if you're doing this with love all you need is love all you need is love yeah if you're doing it with like affection and love and sensitivity it, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna maybe be okay i would love to know or well, maybe i'll watch those special features how if michael Nick, mike nichols or elaine may ran the script by some of their gay friends to see hey no what idea. references would yeah it would be interesting to see if there's very did. little i did some research on the movie mm-hmm. there's not that much out there oh really like in terms okay. of of you know, interviews and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't go, I didn't spend hours and hours and hours searching, <laughs> no, no, I mean, but, but like, no, there's, it's compared to other films where there's just epic. <laughs> yeah. I trust your research. I'm just saying. I think West Hollywood probably has archives somewhere. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go check the gay <laughs> archive guys. I bet there's some stuff. And now we're at the moment where Val finally tells Armand about the parents and what he wants him to do. Dad, Barbara's father is a Senator. He's a conservative Senator and, uh, he's running for reelection and, um, she told him, well, she told him that you were the cultural attache to Greece and Albert was a housewife. What? I, I, she had to. He's a founder of the Coalition for Moral Order. I don't care who he is. I don't want to be somebody else. Do you want me to be someone else? It's a great reaction by Rob yeah. Williams, right? These are the moments that you have these dramatic, his dramatic moments. So I'm like, I, it took me 20 years to get here. I, yeah. And then you're asking me to change? Well, and then we get to what? What are we going to do about Albert? Yeah. And, and they, oh, well, can you just send him away? Oh. I mean, and this is where you're just like when you're watching the movie, especially now, you're like, you're a dick, mm-hmm. awful, awful, awful. This, I do agree. This, this man loves you. Yeah, yeah. Raised you, raised you, fucking raised you. Your you're mother just, doesn't please even send him away. Your mother hasn't even known you. Yeah, it's it's awful. And by the way, let's also change everything in the apartment. We have to, <laughs> you know what I mean, it, but I will say this: it's awful. Granted. But boy, this shit gets funny fast. Yes, yes. It does. It does. Um, and, and then he's like, oh, and can you change your mannerisms? Be a little less obvious. Oof. Um, uh, it's it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And there, and the, But there, there's a great speech, you know, because he notices that he touches his face and sees that there's makeup on it. Yes, I wear foundation. Yes, I live with a man. Yes, I'm a middle-aged fag. But I know who I am, Val. Took me 20 years to get here, and I'm not going to let some idiot senator destroy that. Fuck the senator. I don't give a damn what he thinks. 
That is an amazing speech. And I, and I, and again, like, and this is where representation is so important. Again, I mean, I can't say this enough, but you know, this, I think probably this movie and real world San Francisco with mm-hmm. Pedro Zamora, <laughs> uh, were the two things as a kid, like it was, I think, well, I think, I think by this point, Will and Grace was out there too, mm-hmm. had come out, but like, uh, you know, like these were the things that in my lifetime, like Pedro Zamora on, on real world, San Francisco, Ellen coming out of the closet, right. um, this movie, uh, you know, these were the things that this was the representation. And before that, when I was really young, there were no gay characters for me to even look at, to try and emulate anywhere. Um, and thankfully that's changed a lot and we have a lot more of that today, but yeah, that's where a speech like that to a closeted kid you're like wow yeah it's funny because the country has vacillated right i mean when he says 20 years he's talking about the 70s right he started you know in the 70s coming out being what he was we find out later with bransky that he was doing these plays but everybody knew he was gay and these kinds of things and then he probably had to go back into the closet in the 80s when the super conservative reagan and all the republicans well he was in south beach he was probably okay well we don't know if he was in south beach the whole time do we I don't remember if he is or not. I'm going to go check the gay archives. Okay, please do. <laughs> it's like it's like a, a Thatcher's built library. Go to Thatcher's library, open it up, and take a look at it. But yeah, it's so. I, so when he has that moment, he is speaking for for gay men of that age who've been through the wars of it. You know, because if you read this, if you look at the history of gay men in the 70s and those riots and the anger and the gay bashing and the way they hit, like there's many documentaries about. Uh, the gay culture through the 50s, 60s, 70s, how, what a horrible existence that yeah, was in this I, country. I know, and then you hit the 80s and everybody was dying. So yeah, it was exactly. it was a rough... Right. That's what I'm saying. He survived that to be this club owner now. Yeah. Um, the press is still camped out around Senator's house. Uh, one of the reporters who I think is, uh, you know, National Enquirer yeah. <laughs> bribes the chauffeur, finds out they're going to South Beach. Jay Leno's now making jokes about this <laughs> yep. thing. Um, Gene's tr- trying to climb out the window God, him trying to climb out that window I mean, the physical comedy of that Is so, so good um, And then he ends up He's out the window and all the reporters find him On the ladder <laughs> and, and his whole, like, giving his little press conference <laughs> On the ladder And he's, like, he turning around as if, as if it's, like, totally fine And this is normal and The little victory <laughs> sign at the end <laughs> I mean, that's amazing It's everything and then Robin's back. We're back with Robin in the bar, and they're trying to fix the place. And there's Hank Azaria just stealing every damn scene. Yeah. We've got to get rid of everything that's over the top. Aye, aye, aye. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get yourself a uniform and dress like a butler. No, I'm going to look like a fag. Maybe, but you look like a fag in a uniform. And, and I love that, that Val comes up and goes, Pop, thank you. And Robin Williams' reaction is like, don't talk to me for a while. Yeah. yeah. You know, He's this is not, I'm not, you're not, forg- I'm doing this, but I'm not forgiving you. Fathers across multiple generations have had that reaction. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also it's good that, you know, they didn't, they played that right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the, I'm going to do this for you, but I'm not happy about it mm-hmm. is a, it's a, it, and also that's a, that's a tough spot to get to. And he just nails that moment. Yeah. 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 Um, we're in the car driving down. He's still eating candy. Yep. <laughs> Reporters are following him. Um, uh, we're back in South Beach, and they're trying to keep Albert out of the apartment. We go for a nice walk on the beach, um, and he, and and he's, Armand hasn't told him yet. And he's kind of well. Take a couple of days off. You look tired. Um, oh my god! Which don't ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. tired means old. Yeah, don't don't say that ever. Um, and now he's like, hey, we'll go window shopping, and Albert's like, I want to go home. Um, uh, and, and then he's trying to go home. Armand's like, oh, I hurt my ankle. <laughs> so, and then he walks in and thinks that. And, ah! <laughs> ah! 
we've been robbed. We've been robbed. <laughs> <laughs> and and Val is like, oh, don't worry. They'll be back by the time you come back. You didn't back? Tell yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Where am I going? That moment. This is, by the way, the classic. This is classic farce. Is, you yeah. have somebody who doesn't know a thing trying to keep them from knowing a thing, and then they find out the thing at the wrong time. And boy, does he play this up. I see. It's just for tonight. I understand. It's just while people are here. It's all right, my darling. It's nothing. It's painful. But it's not important. I'm leaving. Just one night out. And it's 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 a it's a fine line between you do genuinely feel bad for him and you're like, this is a shitty thing for them to do. And also he is so overly dramatic. It's amazing. I, I love too the fact that that Armand says uh Val's fiance is coming with her parents, and we thought we thought it would look better if you weren't here. Mm-hmm. He didn't think that. No, he takes it on because he's dad. Because he's dad. Yeah. yeah. And, and and by the way, this is an important relationship thing. Yeah. Is there are times when you have to say a thing that you do not like mm-hmm. and you are it makes you very unhappy and yes. you have to take it on to protect your partner or protect your child. Your child. Yeah. That's rough. The monster, the freak, is leaving. Because <laughs> Armand chases him down. Yes. And and you know, he's fainting, he brings him to a restaurant. Um and, 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 and Robin Williams says, this is because the girl's parents are assholes. Yeah. You know, you know, Val loves you. Yeah. Val's not really showing that, that right now. Um, and, and Albert says, I can play it straight. Oh my God. Well, this is the hidden, this is the hidden undercurrent of the movie. Do you think Val is not a hundred percent happy with having two dads? Because he no. almost never shows affection to Albert. Almost never. Like she has to convince him to kiss him in the morning. That day, remember, and she's like, "Are you too old to give your mom a kiss?" Blah blah. blah. So he, he never treats her with any kind of affection. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I, it's I think he's an could, asshole. The way it all plays to me is that he was fine growing up in this in this life, mm-hmm. but he also recognizes what it looks like, and he is image conscious and wants to. Like, I, I don't think that he's mm-hmm. having an issue with it. Okay. But I mean, I could be wrong. But I, well, that never, it never well, struck me that way. Well, John's question was: Do you think he's not a hundred percent happy with having two dads? Yeah, of course he's not a hundred percent happy because he is image conscious. There are all these things mm-hmm. about yeah, it okay. that make him unhappy. Yeah, that doesn't mean he doesn't love these two people right but of course there's an element of that but yeah, he is not 100 percent happy absolutely like it, yeah. and then we have this is a great scene with how do we get uh albert to be more masculine oh, oh my the God. pinky the mustard the piercing of the toast oh, please i pissed the toast <laughs> it is hilarious everything um, leads to that john wayne walk and the john wayne walk and and and, and then robin williams response like was, was that was that all right it was perfect. I just never realized John Wayne walked that way. And he's right. That is funny. <laughs> he's re- watching it again and having recently gotten back into John Wayne Westerns. He walks like Albert walks in that scene. And I'm just like, damn, he's right. He's it's so, so, the joke works so well. It's so funny. Yeah. And, I, and that's, that is like a perfect mix of a beautifully written joke yeah. and a perfectly performed walk and a perfect response. To, I mean, like, mm-hmm. and it's just a hilarious moment. By the way, the start of that scene is that old grandma in the jacket with the hat on sitting next to reading the paper. Oh, right. That extra was incredible. In there's there. a couple of extras. Uh, there's one at the very end of this movie we'll get to that is my favorite extra of any movie of all time. But we'll get there. How did you feel when you saw... 
Gene Hackman driving that car and take the turnoff for Gainesville. Loved it. <laughs> I think actually when we were in the we were in the theater in Gainesville, I think people like cheered when that happened. Like it right? was like, oh, it's Gainesville. Of course. Yes. Yes. Now we're doing some more uh, masculinity training. How about those dolphins? <laughs> how how do you feel? About, how do you think I felt betrayed, bewildered? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking a. Fucking A. Fucking A. And then ends up getting into an altercation with some giant man. Oh, I love that guy. And we end up back uh, with an ice pack on our head. Yep. Are you calling me an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> and now Val's ha- got a problem with Hank Azaria. Can we hire a straight maid? Yeah. <laughs> there are no straight maids in South Beach. <laughs> Um, also, we like call out to the prop people on this movie because oh the the first of all the ridiculously gay sculptures and art that they did have yep. up that just like I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of gay art and then replacing it with the things they replace it with oh, the, the giant crucifix the giant and- crucifix being the best one. <laughs> <laughs> like- and although the joke is later, a series of Nancy Drew books. <laughs> Um, and now we get to, <laughs> I love the Nancy Drew <laughs> now we get to that we've told Albert he can stay and he's going to be an uncle or something. And we, what we really could use is a woman and it's like, why don't I just ask your mother? And Val's, by the way, if you didn't know this movie was gay friendly, they went ahead and put Christine Baranski in it. She's awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> she's sexy as hell in this movie too. She is. Great. Oh, yeah. Um, and so we head off to see Christine Baranski. And one of the things I noticed in this scene, by the way, the color coordination in this film is amazing. Oh, the yeah. costumes mm. that Albert and Armand are wearing, yeah. that then they're like yellow themed. And it's just with the backgrounds, it's all just beautiful. And we go in and meet uh, Christine Baranski. And this is when we hear some of their history. Armand Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hundred years. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Albert's waiting outside and we find out that they were you know in a show together and they dance and this is another Sondheim song that they're doing when yes. they're doing their little dance and uh and then she continues to flirt with him and flirt more and Albert's in the waiting room reading a book that's something about butts or something <laughs> yeah yeah um what is Christine Christine Baranski's business is, I, I, is I like thought it was fitnessy? like fitness, like, like like a like a yeah. like a jazzercise. I don't know like maybe um I think it was something like that but yeah and and also just the the shade that 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 he's throwing, that Albert is throwing at the receptionist. Oh my god! It's just like yeah. just this these these like looks between yeah. like it's just great. And and uh, Armand explains what he wants, and she says, "Of course I'll do it. I'll be happy to help." Yeah. Of course I'm not exactly. I love she says I'm not exactly maternal. While she pulls that cork out of the champagne <laughs> bottle between her legs, um, and 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 Armand's response is fantastic. Don't worry about that. I'm very maternal. Now Albert's practically abreast. <laughs> that's a great that's a great elaine may model. i'm sure that's an elaine may model. yeah and then we she's starting to unbutton that shirt what and is she... this all about watching it again this time i'd never thought that she was nefarious but she's a little nefarious here because she is a bunning she they do she walks him down the memory lane dancing together remember we were doing then she sits him down she compliments him the whole time about his body used to be, and then she starts to open his shirt. No, she wants him. I mean, she does, right? I, mean, I don't know that she's it's nefarious. Dirty. So uh, she's not nefarious. She's horny. She's horny. Oh, fine. She this for whatever reason. Fair. Armand twenty years ago and Armand today is the thing she wants. Yes, yeah. but isn't Albert in the waiting? Doesn't she know Albert's in the waiting area? They're not married. Oh, oh, dirty, dirty. She's she is a dirty. I can't live. This is why I can't live in the gay culture. I can't, it's too much. It's too much. I can't do it. But no, and, when, because when he opens the door, 
Yeah, Albert comes in. She's not. She she don't go. <gasps> she just like looks at him. Like she's like it's like a mama bear, man, or whatever. A, you know, a lioness looking at him. Well, like she said, she's not very maternal. She is. She's not very maternal. Yeah. And Albert runs out. I love. He gets in the car, honks that, the horn, the, screams. The, 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 the screaming when he honks the horn. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um. <sighs> Armand comes home looking uh, for Albert. Hank is continuing to redecorate. Um, uh, Val just wants to know if his mom is going to come. Right. Because he's I just mean, eyes again, on the prize. Val, just the worst. Yeah. He's the worst. What was he? Fuck Grandpa Joe. Fuck Val. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> I agree. Um, and, um, and Albert comes down. And it's, it's so funny because we are with both Albert and Armand. Mm-hmm. As Albert is, I don't think he's actually overreacting at this point. You know what I mean? He is being overly dramatic. Sure. Do you know what I mean? I do think Thank in you, 1996, it came across as overreacting a little bit. Um, and I think today, he is completely justified. Yeah. I'm glad his, you feel that way. His method of expressing himself is extremely dramatic, mm-hmm. which leads Armand to say, you know, it's a good thing there's, there's a crucifix here. <laughs> Shouldn't you be? <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is the proper martyrs. It is the proper martyrs. And this is where he has the toothbrush. Yes. yes. He's like, I'm taking my toothbrush. He's like, you're taking your toothbrush to the cemetery. How Egyptian of you. Egyptian. But he also has this line. Oh, yes. Another jibe. Another joke at my expense. You were probably laughing at me with Catherine, too. Well, why not? I'm not young. I'm not new, and everyone laughs at me. I'm quite aware of how ridiculous I am, and I've been thinking that the only solution is to go where nobody is ridiculous, where everyone is equal. Goodbye, Armand. Mm. That is a... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why are you yanging me? Sometimes... You guys, you a guys, a little more understanding for everyone listening. If is, you could see John's expression and how much he is relating to Albert in this moment, which leads us to the next scene, which I do well, believe I John say, and well, I. One, one, one more, one more thing, which yeah. is that she leaves and or he leaves, and pronoun problems as always. She leaves. She, she leaves. leaves, and and Val says it's all right. It'll be better without an uncle. I swear to God. I, I actually, I mean. Again, seeing it when I was a kid, I was like, okay, I mean, it's not great, but I get it. And like the the older I get and the more that I watch this movie, the more that I hate him so much. Yeah. 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 I agree. Fuck Val. I think he's going to become a, a Republican senator. <laughs> I just think the conservative senator. But then, yeah, but then we go to the scene, this yes. lovely, lovely scene that I do know John and I have several times in life referenced as that's clearly us. If we ever do this play, we will absolutely kill this, the shit out of this scene. <laughs> I totally would love to see this. Yeah. That would be amazing. And I love it. They're, on, they're at like a bus stop. It's a beautiful And the giant scene, container ship in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That must have just been luck. I don't Maybe. think this movie could yeah, have sure. afforded to control a container ship mm-hmm. all day in, you know, the harbor at South Beach. And I love the black guy and his two kids walking by in like the brightest colors in the world. Because, you know, it's South Beach. They're just walking right by with fishbowls. But, Steve, this is... The most one of the most beautiful scenes of love I've ever seen in a movie. In the middle of this madcap comedy, there is this moment and this scene. And in any romantic movie I've ever seen in my entire life, any movie, period, this is in the top five to ten scenes ever of genuine romantic connection between two people. And it's incredible. And it's one of the things that I pitch the movie about whenever I talk about the movie, people haven't seen it. That one scene will yeah. change a lot. Well, and, it's, and it's the thing that, that makes the movie work. Yeah. 
is that this is a real as as crazy and ridiculous and dramatical as it is uh this is a real relationship yes yes and and i think that 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 you i think at you know you think back to like street people watching this movie back when it came out this is the moment where people went oh I get it. Yeah. Like 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 a, like, a, like, like, us. like a married couple watching this movie who at the beginning was like, whoa, this is a lot. Like this right. moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I get this. Yeah. I get it. It's true. You're not young and you're not new. And you do make people laugh. And me, I'm still with you because you make me laugh. So you know what I got to do? I got to sell my plot and keep Biscayne so I can get one next to you in that shithole Las Copa so I never miss a laugh. And the interesting thing about this moment is as best as they could do in 1996, this moment is both a proposal and a marriage. Yeah. You know, and I really think like I, I totally agree. Like this is the key scene in the movie. And I think what's happening here is slowly legitimizing this couple as a married couple, just yes. like any other married couple. And you have to have this scene so that when he shows up a little bit later as a woman, this is the basis of that. Like you have to have that that love because the whole time up until the scene, she has been doubting his feelings. She's going through a crisis right. of of affection that he that uh, uh, Armand actually cares about her. Right. Uh, and then when he shows up, and to and Robin Williams, this is some of the greatest acting he's ever done. It's very subtle, and this is a manic person. It's so incredibly subtle and perfect. It's and a no quiet perfect. moment, and then and then yeah. it's just to get to the point like where like that, it's like that Goodwill Hunting on the bench. Yes, you know? it's that's this part of Robin Williams that's just amazing. Man, and it's that you know, and it's that beautiful moment when he like gives. Uh, Gives Albert the palimony, yeah. and he's like, "I don't want it. Right. Like, I don't want it. Like, it's all yours. All right. right. You can take it." Don't but he say. says, "What do I? What does it care if you say I? If you say I can stay, or I say you can stay? No matter where it is, I just want to be there with you." And it's like, "Damn, man." Love you too. <laughs> shut up! Love shut up, John. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, w- I wish you two could see what's going on. But, but what's, what's really funny is we're, we're sitting in my house, and usually when Roke and I record the podcast, I'm sitting where Michael is sitting. Sure. And now I'm sitting across from them, and they're sitting next to each other, and I'm so happy that, that this is where we ended up because you guys, is, you guys look so cute right this now. This is how we're going to be at the end, <laughs> sitting in a nursing home, going, oh "Mike's like, here, here's the Vogel fortune once and for all. What does it matter if I can stay or you can stay?" <laughs> wow. Pretty much. I like. By the way, I like how he just subtly took all my money. money. (laughs) It's real subtle. We're totally going to be buried next to each other. I just tell you that now. I tell you that right now. They leave a message for mom and say, "Don't come." And also, this is also just from a structural point. This is the turning point. At this point in the movie, all the pins are up. We have established everything. We've put all everything into place. And from this point forward. It is just a downhill rush of crazy, <laughs> yep. crazy shit. And it all, and this is where every single thing starts to pay off. Yep. Um, Armand is now dressed in a very nice suit, which he thinks he looks like his grandfather who killed himself when he was 30. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, Val, man, he says, don't walk too much. Hmm. Try not to gesture. Oh, God. Um, oh, and, that, and, and right in this moment of, I will say, fuck Val. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when Albert enters, also wearing a suit, and that is just a—it's a shocking moment. It is, and and the the well, and and, and the the great part about it is, they've managed to take somebody who has been dressed flamboyantly mm-hmm. for the entire movie and put them in something that is quote unquote normal, mm-hmm. and they look completely wrong. Yeah, and that's a that's a great 
that's a great thing to be able to do. And and yet it's a it's a beautiful suit and he looks and you know what I mean like it's it's wrong. It's not that he looks bad. No. And part of it too is uh Nathan Lane's performance and the reaction to his performance. Every move is conscious. Mm-hmm. Like it's like uh you know all three of us have been on stage and have acted at various times in our lives and seen like particularly with beginning actors one of the big problems they have is wait, how do I walk? Yeah. What do I do with my hands? And that's what we're seeing mm-hmm. Nathan Lane doing is like he can't cross his leg. He, he his arm slides down. He's it's so awkward and painful. But don't, it's like the best part about this suit. Don't forget, it's like it's he's got this suit on, and then he crosses his leg. Yeah, and he's got the pink socks, mm. and everyone's like, "What?" He's like, "Well, one does want a hint of color." Yeah, it's so it's so painful. And I think what's really powerful here, watching it now, is um, this is a gay man showing you this situation and it's almost a shot at these people who think oh you can just educate people educate the gayness out of you send them to what gay a camp conversion therapy yeah conversion therapy this is what you see is a restrained animal a restrained why this was a person who was very free and, and enjoyed life and you're taking the freedom away from them and you're turning them into a robot a light almost mm-hmm. a robot and you see that and i think nathan lane I wonder if Nathan Lane brought that into this particular part of this scene so that he could, in a way, kind of subtly take a shot at people who were still talking like that, very powerfully so, in the mid-90s. I think, again, him actually being a gay person. Yeah. Like, that, like, like right. it, is, it is one of those things every person yeah. who has ever grown up gay and had to deal with coming out of the closet, at some point in your life, you got stressed out about how you held your hand, mm-hmm. how you crossed your leg. Like you think about these things when you're yeah. growing up because you actually do. I can say, cause I remember like you start to watch other guys in school to see mm-hmm. how they sit or how they're putting their arms to make sure that you're doing that. Cause oh. you are so afraid that you're going to do something that is going to tip somebody off. Yeah. And here's these two, two people who have worked so hard to be who they are yeah. now having to go back to essentially go back in the closet. Mm-hmm. And, and what's so sad about the scene is that Albert is do- the only reason he's doing this is out of complete love. Yep. This is a total sacrifice. And he has this moment where they're staring at him and he goes, you're thinking that dress this way. I'm even more obvious, aren't you? You're right. I just wanted so much to help you. And you hate me. Mm-hmm. You know, because he knows he's failing and they know he's failing mm-hmm. at doing this thing. Um, in the meantime, Hank Azaria is singing hard for the money dressed in this white yeah. tux with no <laughs> shoes. I, 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 I. Um, um, and, 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 and Val is all over him. Just put some shoes on. Give me a break. He's such a Oh, dick. I cannot wear shoes because they make me fall down. <laughs> And the phone rings and it's Catherine and he says, yeah, come. Val is such a dick, man. Um, I love Armand. He goes, so this is hell and there's a crucifix in it. <laughs> um, I, but also think about this for Armand. Like he is, his son is basically like you're an embarrassment. His, his partner is just depressed and, right. and, mm. and, and rightly very deeply hurt. Right. You've got these conservative people coming to your house. <laughs> All of your stuff has been moved out. I mean, like it really is <laughs> hell. brutal. Uh, Albert has locked himself in the in a room. <laughs> Armand says a little prayer to the crucifix, despite the fact that he's Jewish. <laughs> and this is I had really forgotten the one element, which is the Goldman Coleman, which yeah, is not so, just that we don't want you to be gay, but we don't want you to be Jewish. Jewish either, yeah. That's a lot of stuff. 
God, it's a good thing that we've moved past all this in our country. <laughs> yeah, we're good now. Um, the doorbell rings, <laughs> and of course, uh, Spartacus, Spartacus. <laughs> hits the ground. He can't walk in those <laughs> shoes. It's the shoes. <laughs> um, and he opens up, I'm the Goldman's butler, and immediately we're into this, wait, Goldman? Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. Goldman Coleman. Um, and that's when we find out that the books are Nancy Drew. Um, oh, I love these books. <laughs> and this whole thing is just beautifully, perfectly uncomfortable. Yes. Um, and and to make matters worse, reporters are starting to show up yep. out, outside. Um, and, and we're starting to wonder, where, where's the wife? Where's Mrs. Goldman slash Coleman? And, you know, and, and they're trying to do the typical sort of meet the parents story. They're sent, telling their, their engagement story. And then Gene Hackman starts to tell a story about the drive. We decided to drive down to see the seasons change. Mm. It was a long trip, though. Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia. But it's just so magical to me to come from the north, where it's cold, to the south, where it's warm. I mean, <laughs> it's... And, and, like, the best part about this is that Gene Hackman just gets this far away look <laughs> like he's not really looking at anybody he's sort of just staring off into space because it's so uncomfortable and he's just gonna keep talking just to fill the awkward silence yeah. my wife and i used to uh, go down to virginia every autumn to see the foliage turn virginia has amazing foliage although i do think that the foliage in ohio is underrated <laughs> And he knows it's horrible. And he knows he's not saying anything. And no one says anything. So he just and this goes on. This this is that that rare thing in comedy of doing something that's funny, and then it becomes less funny, and then it becomes less funny, and then it's completely not funny, and then it continues to go on until it becomes funny and yep. funnier, and yes. then hilarious again. The hills, the mountains. Talk about your purple mountains, majesty. Just fantastic. Thieves. <laughs> so many browns. <laughs> Reds. <laughs> Changing. <laughs> He's just gone. Just He's gone. gone. Um, yeah. I, I kept writing in my notes. I wrote, Gene is still going. <laughs> and he's still talking. Still talking. Red leaves. Purple mountains. Green fields. <laughs> Um, Robin wants to go for a moment, can't find his way through the curtain. <laughs> Sal follows. Oh, God. Uh, so much is going and wrong so quickly. Mm. <laughs> I'm sweating like a farm animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Diane Weiss and Gene Hackman are like, something, something odd's going on. Yeah. Um, but like, but they think it's, I mean, this is, they think they, it's they think because of Jackson. Of, yeah. Yeah. They think it's, oh, they know about they this. They know, story. Yeah. and they're embarrassed of yep. us. We're the problem. But by the way, uh, we haven't, we didn't touch on this, but one of her great, great lines in the movie, it's a bit, is when she says, he was, Jackson was a hillbilly. We can't be, a yeah. like this whole idea of elitism is very prevalent through the whole thing. Even with the sweetest people in the movie, like Diane Weist, there is this level of elitism all around. Well, and, and we don't actually know where he's a senator from. Right. It seems like Northeast or yes. Midwest. Seems like or Massachusetts or something. Yeah. yeah. And there is a weird alliance between Southern conservatives and Northern conservatives where they don't actually agree on a yeah. whole bunch of stuff. Right. Um. And and we just find out like where's the wife? Oh well, she's stuck in traffic. She'll be here in about thirty minutes. And Albert enters. Here I am. Oh, 
Please forgive me for being so late, but the traffic was unbelievable. Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, I'm so happy to meet you at last. It, oh, you must be Barbara. I mean, just the greatest dress, the greatest wig. Nathan Lane is so perfect. Um, and, and just really, you know, what they do so well is they set up. Um, hold on, I'm texting someone about this dress that I'm wearing tonight for my drag birthday party. Hey-o. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm going. I'm, I'm. I have a drag birthday party tonight. <laughs> speaking of what? birdcage, and I just got hold texted. <laughs> Wait, why has this not been? Why are we not known about this? Listen, this is just this is, this is how it works in life, good boys. Wow. I what my friend wearing? my friend you is never ha- go in drag. My friend is having a birthday party tonight, mm-hmm. and it is drag race themed, and Ooh. drag is required. And not only is drag required, but thematically the theme is monochromatic Pantone, so you have to be in all one color. And I was stressing out because I the dress that I ordered on Amazon made me look frumpy, <laughs> and I did not like it. And fortunately, one of my friends was like, what color are you? And I'm like, I'm going to be blue. And he just texted me a picture of the dress. And it looks lovely. I think it will fit. He is a very beautiful drag queen. And so I'm going to have that. And I decided, because I am not going to be a beautiful drag queen, that my thing tonight is going to be that I am a very boho chic artist. I got some cat-eyed glasses and sure. a blue wig. And I think my name is going to be Annie Mae Shun. Sure. Um, That's hilarious. So this is the first time I'm doing drag. I have to leave after this, and I have to go to Sephora and find some blue makeup. Mm-hmm. So, wow. so who's Starina again? In this relationship? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I'm going to look okay. fabulous. So, I'm nice, sure you will. Nice sidebar in a little window into my life. But anyways, back to what I was saying was, <laughs> what's so great is they build up all the tension, as we were saying. It is so uncomfortable. This is the worst dinner party of all time. Yeah. And then um, Albert comes in. As if it's not uncomfortable. And literally saves everything so, like yeah. we've gone through this whole movie going you're the problem you're the problem you're going to ruin this Great we need to get rid of you really we need to get point. rid of you we need to get rid of you you're the problem yeah. oh. and then albert comes in fully a thousand percent albert yeah right and in two seconds and the way that you really save this is uh the way you know it's going to be okay and to your point is the Coleman Goldman thing? Yeah, because he comes out and says Goldman, and Gene Hackman's like, "We've been confused. Is it, is it Coldman? Is it is it Goldman or Coleman?" And there's this Nathan Lane deadpan <laughs> face, and he goes, "Oh yes, Coleman. Uh, the D is silent in America. It's uh, Coldilomont or Coal of the Isle of Man in France, where Armand's chateau is, and." Coldman in Greece, where Armand's work is, and finally the vulgar Coleman in Florida, where Armand's home is. So actually, we don't know where we are until we hear our last name pronounced. And after that moment, there is a palpable yes. sigh from everybody. Yeah. Uh, everyone it- on, like for Val and everyone on this side, that, oh my God, we might get through this. And from Gene Hackman and Diane Weist in. Oh God! Finally, this isn't so uncomfortable anymore. Right. Yeah. And Callista walks up and goes, "I think I will hug you now." <laughs> and, and I and I love that she, that her persona is like, "Well, I'm just a small town girl, you know. <laughs> yes. I want to just take care of my man." She's playing so far into exactly yes. what they yeah. want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the meantime, more reporters are showing up now. TV reporters are showing up, and we come back, and Gene is having a ball because these are good people. Yeah, these are solid. And people. they get you know they don't have fancy books. They got a crucifix on That's the wall. Right. They talk about. <laughs> 
they talk about gays in the military. I mean, like gays it, in the military. <laughs> oh, this is a, there's an Alexander the Great reference. You know, I think homosexuality. Lots more ice for you. Lots more ice, Dad. One of the things that's weakening this country. Really? You know, that's what I thought until I found out Alexander the Great was a fag. Talk about gays in the military. How about those dolphins, huh? Yeah, <laughs> which is brilliant. Alexander Great was a. But Diane Weiss starts as Hackman becomes more comfortable. Diane Weiss starts to become more skeptical, more skeptical. Well, yeah. not only well, skeptical, and jealous. jealous, jealous. Well, yes. Yeah. Which Diane Weiss. Really... Diane Weiss is sitting there, and she's like, "Yeah, why is my husband <laughs> so enamored of this woman?" <laughs> and, then we, and then we get into killing abortion doctors. The doctors are only doing their jobs. If you're going to kill someone, kill the mothers. That'll stop them. Let's see you for a moment, dear. Oh, I know what you're going to say. If you kill the mother, the fetus dies too. But the fetus is going to be aborted anyway, so why not let it go down with the ship? <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> it's horribly and amazing. Funny. Yes. Yeah. Oh. oh my god. I mean, like they literally hit all the buttons. And when you go back and watch it now, you're like, shit. We are still talking about all of this. Yep. But uh, and it's, again, Gene's Gene just is eating it up. Yeah. Um. And we're playing the piano. We're singing, I could have danced oh, all night. We're that- having a ball. Spread my wings and let a thousand things I before. I hope your mother knows I'm going to have a career after we're married. Barbara. Albert is not my mother. He's a drag queen. Oh, that's right. But I love the shot of Albert and Gene Hackman coming into frame dancing. I could have mm-hmm. danced all, all this. And then Agador comes out and says, I only know when he can dance with me. I could have danced, danced, danced all night. He is talented. He so is talented. very talented. Yeah, why doesn't Armand want him in the show? <laughs> I'm in the show. He'd be great. Um, and we go, dinner is served. Armand goes, you know what? I'm just going to put a note on the door for Catherine. We sit down to dinner. There are these beautiful dishes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and we... What interesting china. Why, it looks like young men playing leapfrog. Is it Greek? <laughs> I, I love the slow, like, the audience has figured out what's yeah. on these dishes. But they have a fate. Let me get my glasses. And the rush to go get the soup and get that soup in the bowls. <laughs> it is really funny. Yours doesn't have a girl. Mine has a girl. <laughs> mine, there's a girl on mine. Oh, that's a boy. That's a boy. Yep. Um, I don't think <laughs> those is, Greeks. I don't think this is very good soup. And th- that's a, apparently all the food we have is the soup. And this is where we pretty much freak out. What the hell are you serving us? Sweet and sour peasant soup. What'd you say is seafood chowder for? What the hell is sweet and sour peasant soup? I don't know. I made it up. I made it up. Oh, God. This is a nightmare. There is a moment. Um, where Robin Williams and Hank Azaria and Val are freaking out in the kitchen. Oh yes, and he's drinking, and, and, and yeah. yeah, he's drinking. Uh, Agador's drinking. falling. Agador's falling. Yeah. Agador's crying because he's so upset because because <laughs> the the stew is a mess, and Robin Williams is just like, shut up, <laughs> shut up, oh. shut up. It's okay. We're all right. It's fine. Just shut up, goddamn you. It's all right. Stop crying. Goddamn you. What are you standing there for? Go. Go. She'll be here in a minute. Go. Damn it. Fuck the shrimp. And it's just this, this, this moment of contained, quiet chaos. Yes. Because they can't let anybody know, but they're losing it. Yeah. 
And what's brilliant is it's the the button on top of that scene is uh, Hank Zara falling for one more time yep. right as they cut. It's just perfect. And you see Robin start to break. You see Robin start <laughs> to start laughing before they do the cut. It's one of my it's favorite great. moments in the entire movie yes. just because it's just this just <laughs> visceral <laughs> what the fuck is happening moment. Yeah. Um, the news van is now pulled up. Uh, Val goes down and puts the note on the door. The reporters see the note. They read the note, which says, Catherine, whatever you do, don't go upstairs. I'll call you tomorrow, Armand. The reporters, reporters take the note. This is going to be great. Mm -hmm. Back to dinner. Albert has had a lot to drink at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Catherine is almost there. Um, and everyone seems to be having a really good time at the party. And then Albert moves suddenly and the wig starts to go. Oh, yep. God. Yeah. Uh, which is, we knew we were heading in this direction. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is where this was inevitably going to end up. Yeah. Um, and Barbara runs to go help her take her to the bathroom. Armand goes to help. Val goes to help. And we've left uh, Diane Weist and Gene Hackman alone. Diane Weist is starting to get real suspicious. She, she does not like any of this. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, Gene Hackman knows exactly what's going on. It's, yeah. it's the oldest story oh in the God. world. Yeah. This Small is just town the girl. Best. He's a pretentious European. <laughs> He has figured it all out. <laughs> he, he is so. <laughs> he is so just like, what is it? He says, he just breaks my heart. Yeah. <laughs> just it breaks his heart that this poor woman yep. is being treated this way because she is salt of the earth. Right. She yeah. is. She is what America is yep. all about. Mm -hmm. Back in the bathroom, they're trying to get this wig on. Diane is now she's Diane. Weist is now pissed because it's very clear. Yeah. That he's really into this woman yeah um, right in front of her yep and because uh, he, he's so oblivious of the way he's treated her probably her yep. entire marriage and the doorbell rings hello i'm home i forgot my key who is it it's val's mother mrs goldman yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i love she comes in and there's this you know let me take your purse like i've done a many million times before whatever that is um and uh, <laughs> still trying to create the lie. Yeah. Yep. Still trying to do it. And then and then back in comes all of the rest of the people, including Nathan Lane. And it's like, well, who is who? How many mothers does Val have? This and is go, one moment where Val is not fuck Val. Yeah. Finally. Finally. Just one. This is my mother. Yep. This is my mother. My father owns a nightclub downstairs. My mother is the star. What? And then Man. it's like, nice to meet you, real mom. And she's like, nice to meet you, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a little bit weird. Uh, and then Gene Hackman's full mental breakdown. Oscar right. performance. Oscar I don't performance. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Which then what? culminates in, I don't understand, you can't be Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> because the other thing, he can't even wrap his head around. No, no, no. And then <laughs> Diane Reese, He's a man. They're both men. They can't be. You can't be Jewish. No, Kevin, 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 Kevin. This is a man. What? They're both men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just this, this full, Ugh. this full realization. And Gene Hackman cannot square the fact that this woman, who he thinks is everything that's Salt good about America, is not a woman. Is just he just just watching him not be able to come to grips with it is yeah. one of the best things that Gene Hackman has ever done. It's so funny because I love tough guy Gene Hackman. I like French yeah, Connection sure. Gene Hackman. I like uh, 
uh, Crimson Tide Gene Hackman. I like there's a million like unbelievable Gene Hackman performances. I love Bewildered. Yeah, <laughs> Bewildered Gene Hackman is maybe so, my favorite thing. It's so it's so funny. <laughs> what? I don't um, understand. So of course they want to leave, but now Barbara wants to stay with the Goldmans, and that's when Diane Wee starts to lose it. And this is her. This is her. This is her. I want someone to like me best. Oh speech. my god, it's great. This is the I want. I mean, it's just like she's so mad. She's so mad, and then it just breaks down emotionally. She's like, I want someone to like me best. <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah. And then the the what does he say to Barbara? He says he says, "Barbara, I've made your mother cry. I'm up for re-election. We're in the middle of a scandal. I'm in the home of a gay couple who own a drag club. I realize you want to get married, but how many lives do you have to ruin to do it?" <laughs> no. And then he opens the door and does that like quick pullback. Like yeah. then there's the flash and the boom. Like it's like Yep. And all all the reporters are out there. Mm -hmm. um, and th this is the moment where Barbara, Calista Flockhart, goes, she thinks it's over. I would really like to have you as my family. That's yeah. nice. It's a nice, nice moment. Yeah, Calista doesn't get a lot of moments in the movie, but that moment was really sweet. Yeah, so we're swarmed around by uh, reporters. And it's like, there's obviously going to be no way to go out. And they finally come up with, you know, like, we're trapped. This is going to be the end of his political career. This is going to mm -hmm. be the end of everything. And they finally say, well, maybe you could sneak out with the audience. And she was like, no, they'll be waiting for that. Not, Not necessarily. necessarily. <laughs> um, and this is just like one of those great moments. Like this is this is where, you know, a comedy is just so tight where it's just like it's an inevitable conclusion. Yep. Uh, and it's a thousand percent satisfying. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know that I saw it coming until it would never have occurred to me yeah. up until this point of the movie that Gene Hackman was going to end up in drag. Yeah. And, and it's and it's this great thing where. These people that have no business being around each other, these people that are were 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 just destined to not get along, find themselves in a in such dire circumstances that they all become allies. Yeah, you know, like there's that great moment where it's like, had you not had the pressure of the reporters, it would be like, I leave, I go, we're done. You're not getting married. But because of this pressure and because of this situation, all of a sudden, these people that I have no business being around and don't want to be around are my only hope of salvation. Hmm. And we're back in the club and we're doing the intro to We Are Family. And hey, Armand looks like Armand again. He's back hmm. to being himself. And he's whispering to all of his staff. A moving truck pulls out outside. Reporters are just... They're ready for this thing to happen. The dancers come out and take bows, and there is Gene Hackman. <laughs> and I mean, boys, this is how I think I'm going to look tonight at this party. Like he is not an attractive woman, and I think that uh, I think this is the road that I'm on this this afternoon. Oh, stop it! Um, but I love his re his reaction. The bewildered reaction is great upstairs in the room. This reaction where he is going back, like experiencing it, and then he kind of gets into it where he's enjoying it ag against you know his better wish. There's a lot of stuff going on there. So I much as say. he is trying to blend in, but him him trying to sing the lyrics yes. is the best. He's like, <laughs> and he's upset that nobody's dancing with him. And yes, likewise, that's what I mean. That is, you know. Die Weiss looks like she's she takes it like a duck to water. Yeah, with the leather and everything, she's happy. Oh, it is hilarious. Um, and, and I love I love. Don't leave me. Don't leave me here. I don't want to be the only girl not dancing. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then and then there's Albert yeah. to save the day, yep. and they go to dance, and there's just that wonderful moment of confusion about who would lead. Yep. Um, and and we dance outside of the club. 
Um, and his dance off. And then there's that great line to his driver. He's like, meet me out back. He's like, not in a million years, but <laughs> yeah. and, and we hop and, and we, we, you know, hop into the truck and we disappear and we cut to credits yeah. and a wedding. Um, and the best, uh, extra in the history of life. Oh, there it is. When you watch this, everybody, when you go watch this movie, there's a shot. It's, uh, it's like, you know, you have the great moment. It's the, all the gays on one side, oh. all the conservatives on the other side. It's this beautiful moment. But there's this one shot where you cut to the extras, and on the side, there is a woman that I'm pretty sure has died. Oh. Her eyes are just wide open, and she's <laughs> sitting there, and she's not moving. And she's, like, look, she's like very skinny. <laughs> and now skinny. I have to go back and look at this. Um, and she's just sitting there, and wh- I, it, whoever's talking, I think it's two of the conservative people. I'm, I think. I might be wrong. I don't think she blinks the entire time. <laughs> she's just sitting there, and I'm pretty sure she might be dead. <laughs> Wow. Um, and, uh, and we're at this wedding, which is a joint Jewish Christian wedding yeah. with the, uh, you know, Armand and Albert and their family and friends on one side and the senator's people on the other side. And this is what it's going to be. Yeah. And Albert <laughs> loudly crying. Yes. Um, and this brings us to the end of the birdcage. Um, and it's, but it is, it, it is such a, you know I mean? Like in that classic comedy you know, like like in, in classic terms, like playwriting class, you learn that like, you know, a comedy's end with a wedding. Like that's yep. how every classic Absolutely. comedy ends. And that's how this one ends. I mean, it just ends with that perfect wedding right. and 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 everybody's come together. Like everybody is a family. I mean, yeah. they literally, to your point of the opening song, all the characters in this movie who we've met along the way are now officially one giant family. Yeah. And you have the drag, the two drag people have that conversation about one of the conservatives. Oh, he's hot. Yeah. I forget who they mentioned that it is, but yeah. So it's it, it, it it's it's coming across it's walking across the aisle, right? Basically, yeah. Um it's obviously a huge hit. It's number one for three or four weeks in the theater. It's one of the I'm not sure if it's the biggest comedy of nineteen ninety six, but it's one of the biggest comedies in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. And I think it has a huge cultural influence at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. And maybe a personal one on your life. I mean, I think so. Like I said, I mean, I I had already started coming out of the closet to some people. um, So it was still sort of a secret to most, or at least I thought it was a secret. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like I do think seeing this movie, you know, and again, getting back to that scene with the two of them on the bench, that was the, that was one of those first times where there was, there were two characters on screen that were discussing a life together and the relationship that they had that were both men. And as funny as it is and as ridiculous as it is, that was a thing yep. that I had not seen on screen before. John. Yes. Do you have final thoughts on The Birdcage? <sighs> Here's what I'll say. This is a film that you can go back and watch multiple times and enjoy thoroughly. And unfortunately, because it is still topical. But aside from that, it's a great introduction if you're a young person walking into the gay culture for the first time, sometimes the most uncomfortable things are delivered better through comedy because you can expose your prejudices, your stereotypes, your what have you, and then achieve humanity and understanding as well at the same time. And so to me, this is what I enjoy about the movie. It's incredibly funny. Some of the best acting you'll see in a comedy, the story works, and it's also brilliantly subversive about this battle between a gay and straight, conservative and liberal, this idea that we are actually more alike than we would like to admit, no matter what our political beliefs are, because with Gene Hackman and and Nathan Lane's characters, they're essentially the same. Diane Weist, 
Robin Williams, essentially the same. Both caretakers of their prima donna partners. Right. And that works for me. And then you have the young kids doing what they're Who doing. We're both assholes. We're both assholes, right? Sure. Well, I don't know if she's as much of an asshole as he is. But yes, certainly they're, they have their, they're selfish in their desires for their happiness over everyone else's. But the film is so vibrant and great, but it's got this incredibly beautiful heart at the middle of it and that's why i come back and watch it all the time because it always puts a smile on my face it always makes me tear up just a little bit especially that's that scene between them by the ship and everything but it always just leaves me with a hopefulness when you leave it and i think a great comedy does that and this sometimes people don't talk about it in the same vein as some like it hot or these other great comedies I think it belongs in the conversation with those classic comedies. Just because it's all in like in vibrant colors doesn't mean it isn't just as good as what you see in some like it hot or any of these other or the apartment or whatever. You um, yeah, for for me, it's funny watching this movie. Um, I think what's so great about it is the way that it brings you into this family and exposes you, particularly in 1996, to this thing that seems strange and different and and for a lot of America, like not normal or wrong. And in the course of the movie, it convinces you and teaches you like, oh, this is a family. And there's nothing to be scared about with this family. Um, and one of the most interesting feelings I had watching this was I went, oh, on some levels, I don't think this movie has aged that well. And that's a really good thing. Because it's not as strange to go into this world as it was 20 years ago. But I do think, it, I think to your point, it is great that we live in a world now where, you know, you said earlier that for that first shot of those people dancing on stage and they go off and they take off their wigs and it's men, that was shocking to people. And we live in a world now where RuPaul's Drag Race went from being a hit show on Logo that was so right. good that it's now on VH1. And, you know, people are just exposed to that culture so much more now today. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's amazing. And I think that in that respect, I'm really glad that Birdcage, to your point, hasn't aged well, because it means that we're clearly doing something right as a society. Good point. But for me on my journey, I think what makes Birdcage so special is the fact that uh, for a lot of gay people growing up, they deal with these issues of coming out of the closet and what does that mean for me? And is this a problem? When you're first dealing with that, being gay is actually this giant issue. It's a problem for you. Like it is a thing that you have to deal with, that you have to overcome, you have to come to grips with. And you're like, what am I going to do? What does this mean for me? Um, And once you finally accept yourself for who you are, I think being gay actually becomes for a lot of people, their biggest strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that this movie so beautifully represents that of having something where Albert is the problem. His gayness is the thing that we are trying to solve for and overcome. And ultimately his gayness is the solution. Like when he fully lets himself be fully in drag, fully (laughs) flamboyant, fully who he is, it saves the day. And I think that's a really great lesson for anybody. And it's like a personal lesson for me. And I know a personal lesson for a lot of people who went on that journey of going, you know, oh, crap, I'm different. Why am I different? Oh, this is why I'm different. This is going to screw up my life. Oh, no, it made my life a thousand percent more awesome and glitter filled and rainbow colored than I ever thought it could be. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, is a really great message and kind of like I think to a degree what I took from that movie as I went on my journey and also it is one of the funniest movies ever made. Like yeah. it is absolutely in my top five of funniest movies ever made. And I agree with John that, you know, we talk about classic comedies so much and the classic comedies from like classic movies and this, but this movie uh, is, is still as funny today as it always was. Yeah. And I think deserves a spot on, uh, on one of the great comedies of cinema. Mm-hmm. That's great. So 
that's what we think of the birdcage. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. You can uh, reach us on our Facebook page at The Cinephiles. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places, the most important of which is iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment. If you want to get your movie pick, you can go to patreon.com slash The Cinephiles and support the show. Um, and as always, you can reach me at SR Morris. John, where can they reach you? You guys can always reach me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. And we want to thank again our incredible guest, Michael Vogel, for coming back on the show. Yes, Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael, if people want to reach you, how would they go about doing that? At MKTune on Twitter or Instagram. All right. And I think that's it for this week. We will see you next time with another great movie on The Cinephiles. 